podcast. I'm April Morley. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission with the Enterprise Value Collective and with Genius Drive is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer life cycle. Uh, we are here with our coffee, our dirty chai. I've got my Gators mug for you, April, and mm -hmm. uh, with our guest uh, from Finlistics, you saw the logo on the mug, uh, Dr. Stephen Timmy. Welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi, April. And hello, all my uh, value coffee friends out there. Awesome. Stephen is the founder and CEO of uh, customer value intelligence firm Finlistics. At least that's how I like to refer to your firm. Like and it. also the uh, author of the book on value, Insight-Led Selling. And we'll provide a link in the speaker notes to uh, for you to get a download of uh, the book and to order your own. So, Stephen, what I want to dive into today is a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, and that is this concept that there's a value gap between buyers and sellers. So, Whenever there's a gap, you got to look at kind of both perspectives. So I want to start with the buy perspective. Like, what does a buyer want from sellers and solution providers today? Yeah, April and Tom, I, I think uh, one of the executives I interviewed in the book, uh, Steve Clancy, who's the CIO at Georgia Pacific, and uh, you know, we asked him, "What do you What do you want?" And I, I'm going to read this. Um, and he said, bring me something fresh from the outside, something I don't know. And that was a repeated theme. Tell me something I don't know. Show me that you've uh, only not only identified one of my problems, but you have a fresh solution that you've implemented somewhere else and will work for me. So it's really about tell me something I don't know, bring me something fresh. And so from the book, there was three things that you kind of netted out with these executive ones. And it was like one, tell me something I don't know. The second thing was show me the business and financial value of your solutions, feature functions. I didn't hear anyone say, I just wish they would show me more features and functions, not a single person. Uh, and then the third one was make my life easier. And um, what they meant by that was they said, you know, these, these solution providers, you know, enterprise sellers bring me these really cool things, but I don't. I got to socialize this, right? And I, I, I'm the one's got to take their 30 slide presentation deck and narrow, you know, boil it down to one page. They said, you know, do, don't make me do your work, but those are really the three things. It's all about bring me value, bring me value and bring me some more value. Yeah. Stephen, so right. Gartner had a, a similar results from a survey mm -hmm. they gave, which is show me that you understand my business. And like you said, have some fresh insight about it from all the experience you've got from all your customers. They're expecting that insight. Make sure that you're communicating the value and the outcomes and showing that I can improve those. And then finally, the last one relates very much to what you said as well, which is confidence. Give me confidence that if I go and do this, that it's going to be successful because it's risky otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Agree. Agree completely. So how well do you think sellers are meeting these buyers' needs? You know, April, I'm a very positive person. I used to teach at the university, so you, you know, be a professor of finance. You really had to be positive, right? But I'm just going to net it out. They're doing a terrible job. 
I mean, you, you can talk to executives. I think the one study said 80% of executives think that buyers don't understand their business. We do research. And so, April, we did this one and we asked, you know, how well does your sales force know your customer? About 20% said, hey, we consider ourselves trusted advisors, we're partners. That's great. Around 50% said, well, look, even when we know their goals and strategies, we don't know how our solutions align. So how could you have a value discussion? You know, mm -hmm. I'm a retailer. I want to grow the revenues by having a differentiated omni-channel experience. Okay, there's the goal and strategy. Uh, I don't know how I can help you. Uh, and then 30% said they still uh, focus on features and functions. So I don't see how they sell anything. So April, just to net it out again, and I hate being negative, I hate for my friends out there, but a terrible, terrible job. And what we find, we've done different research. And even though most sales organizations talk about customer first, outside in, I mean, all the typical phrases, uh, we find that only about 25% really are, you know, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. So that's the bad news. To me, though, the good news is, hey, you're not one of the 25%. What if you became that? What would be the revenue benefits to your organization? So the bad news is doing a terrible job. The good news is, and you can look at all kinds of stats about retention and growth and all those things. If you get it right, pretty good rewards. Steven, I know no one likes to get a report card like that bad, but the research is there. And like you said, you it have is. research. If we look at Gartner research, research from Forrester, it all aligns to sellers are perceived as falling short and not only falling short, but that the gap seems to be widening, um, which is a big challenge because we've spent a lot. When you add up all of the amount that's gone into sales training over these past, let's say three years and sales enablement and the platforms and everything else that goes with it, yet customers are reporting that they're less satisfied with sellers yes. and their purchases today than ever before. Why, why is that? Why is it growing? Well, I think it's a couple of things. And, and we all know the stats is that, you know, the buyers are what 70% down the buying journey, the millennials feel very comfortable getting information and some don't even want to talk to sellers. So one, the, the bar has been raised, <laughs> right? And the second thing, in fact, uh, I did a, a, a webinar with Tom Castley and Janice Gordon a few months ago. It's called, Customers Have Shifted Gears, Are You Still in the Race? <laughs> of course, someone brought up, well, EV vehicles don't have gears. I'm like, oh, shut up. Anyway, <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, what's happened is the, the bar has been raised, rightfully so. Sales organizations, if you look at what they're doing now versus what they did five years ago, Tom, Tom and April, listen to QBRs. Mm -hmm. Most QBRs are the same. Okay, we're, how, how much are we going to close? I, I look at QBRs. I look at account plans. You're like, well, wait, wait, where's, where's about the customer and their goals and their strategies and what they're trying to get done? And so it's the customers really have shifted gears, and a lot of these organizations have not changed, and therefore that gap has gotten wider. I completely agree with that. I think... You, you highlight two big points, that the customer is part of the challenge in this expanding gap. Their expectations have elevated, but I also think that they, they call on sellers and they call on solution providers very tactically, and then they wonder why they get tactical engagements as a result. 
So they're asking for the demo. They're asking for the the tactical information, maybe because they couldn't rely on anything strategic or anything like that before. But I think that customer expectations are elevated, but they're also asking for the almost the old type of engagement with sellers. And then you mentioned a big point, which is executives and the role that they play in this. If we're managing the business to that quarter and to closing of deals, as opposed to how much value can we deliver to our customers and more of a long game with those customers, as opposed to the short term, we're only as good as the last yeah. quarter. I think we've got a challenge in overcoming this and closing the gap. Well, you know, and that's what Tom uh, Castley, one thing I love what he, you know, instead of saying sales leaders, he said, they got to be coaching leaders. Mm -hmm. And April and Tom, you all know what's happening is, uh, okay, I'm a sales leader. I used to have like three, maybe four people reporting into me. I now have 10. I don't have time for coaching. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it's an easy answer, but there's a lot of reasons. But I know I'm very fortunate to get to talk to a lot of executive buyers. And they're just like, yeah, you know, I may ask them for some technical information but other than that but what's what's i've seen though tom is a, a in april is a trend where these organizations are now specifying these high growth teams that are being very very proactive going to customers not because of an rp not the usual this but i mean they're going to be very very proactive in terms of hey we saw this we think we can do this we think it's worth this you know, let's let's talk about the strategy and doing that. And they're calling at very high levels. This is not like a director level, VP level. They're like, if we can't talk to the very top or close to it, then you know, let's go somewhere else. So that I mean, that's something I've seen the, just the last couple of years. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations are putting together a task force to be really strategic with uh, their largest customers. Though it's so important to really scale it across the entire sales organization. And you know, as you mentioned, it's a lot about coaching. It's a lot about training and enablement. And we've seen a lot of uh, investment into sales training and enablement. So you'd think the value gap would be getting smaller, but the opposite is it's growing. So why do you think that is? Well, we, we talked about the, you know, the, the customer, the bar has been raised. People are doing things the same, same old, same old way. And even with sales enablement, and I have a lot of friends in sales enablement, but it's a lot of it is, um, it's kind of the same old, same old, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, let's, let's do a two day webinar. Let's do this. Let's do that. Which used to be a great source of revenue for Finlistics. <laughs> so I'm not, yeah, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. But, you know, the, the more enlightened companies are going more towards the action-based learning mm -hmm. because if you sit through, you know, one-day webinar, I forget the stat, like, you know, a month later, a week later, you only remember like 20%. And that's probably the jokes the facilitator told. So anyway, uh, no, so I, I just think the way it's being it needs to be repackaged about, you know, okay, April, what, what, are, you, what are you doing today? Well, I need to... Uh, you know, I've got to go call on a senior marketing person. Okay, well, here's how you go do that, right? Or, you know, I, I need to find uh, some prospects in this space, and these are the ways that we can help them. Okay, well, here's how you do that. So more and more of the organizations I'm seeing are breaking into the smaller pieces, very, very action-based, doing more sharing. You know, we always talk about the role of the sales leader, the role of sales enablement. Well, guess what? You know, field sellers have got a, a role, too, to play. Like, hey, what, what's working, what's not working? So I'm seeing that gap closing some, but the, the, the same old way just doesn't work anymore. In fact, uh, 
at uh, next month, uh, Siobhan Thatcher at Salesforce, myself, we're going to be talking about how do you create this customer-first culture, and a lot of it involves not doing it the old ways. That doesn't work anymore. I think expectations need to change so that we're not so quarterly driven, so we have that more strategic approach because value does require a little bit of patience. I think the way that we educate our sellers needs to change for the modern seller and the modern learning patterns. I do think that there's fuel that needs to be provided. And when a seller's going out to speak to a buyer, they need to be armed with the story that's gonna resonate with that persona. They need to be armed with the financials so that they can right. have an educated discussion with them. And if we're just arming them with standard data sheets and standard presentations and product demos, it doesn't cut it. Talk about the importance of fuel in evolving these conversations and closing the gap. Yeah, yeah. And and so a, a couple of things. One, it has to be part of the culture, right? But that's that's beyond the scope of the, <laughs> of, of this uh, coffee session, value coffee. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things. One, people ask me all the time, where do, where do we get started? I mean, oh, my God. I mean, I said, look, look, here's the deal. Go and find out what are the most common goals within an industry. Pick your top two industries. What are the most common goals? Okay, we are trying to expand profit margins uh, by optimizing processes. Oh, okay, good. Now let's break that down to smaller pieces. Well, who all could you talk to? Well, you could talk to production, distribution, logistics, you know, all, all kinds of different people. And then come up with a how story, Tom. You and I are finance folks, right? You're the ROI guy, I'm Dr. Finance. And people always expect us to immediately say, well, go to the ROI. No, no. So I always tell folks, pick a couple of industries, uh, pick a couple of the more common goals, and then come up with the how story. Of how can I help you expand margins if you are in production, right? To get the how story down. Well, how, how can we help them reduce labor costs? How can we help them reduce overhead? Where have we done this in other uh, organizations? So, you know, I think a lot of times people want to jump ahead to the, the value piece, and, and I think you and I have talked about this. You don't have the right to start talking to me about ROI until you've convinced me that you're aligned with what I'm trying to get done. And then secondly, you've got a good, a good story. So I always tell people to start there and then later get into the value part, right? So, so I always uh, like- The business case. Yeah, part. exactly. And there's a lot more to it. People value, Stephen, unfortunately, they, they think, oh, business case. and. That's not really what we're talking no. about. Values everything in the mm -hmm. in the customer engagement. And a lot of it is, as you said, earning the right where they know you understand their business, you understand their industry before you get into the business case and the numbers crunching. Yeah, and I mean, because there's, there's the emotional value, right? There, I got the emotional value and I've got the financial value and the emotional value may be, you know, I, I'm in production, I'm tired of these you know, unplanned machine downtimes. I'm getting calls at two o'clock in the morning. My CFO is beating you know what out of me. So part of the emotional value would be, wow, this is great. Things are operating smoothly. I can maybe get a good night's sleep. I can maybe spend a little bit more time with my family. And then we get into the ROI piece. So a, a, a big part of this is, is really coming up with the how, how do we help, but not some generic, hey, we can help you reduce cost. Oh, okay, well, that's really exciting. 
The, the other piece, which Tom and April, I find it often left out, is the voice of the customer. I was in a session where we were doing this, you know, uh, value mapping, solution mapping, whatever you want to call it. And they were all talking about how our solution adds value to the customer. And uh, I said, hey, look, just a crazy thought here. Has anyone talked to the customers about how the value they see from what you guys are selling? <laughs> and so they said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and they went and they said, look, you, you guys just make things smoother. You just, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the financial return, but the greatest value that I place on your solution, it, it works all the time. It makes my life easier. Uh, we, don't, we don't have idle labor. And so it really, it was great because then they start talking more about those benefits as well as the financial benefits. It's the emotion, the logic, and the trust that you do have to get across. Yeah. Definitely. It's a terrific point in asking the customer what the value is they're receiving. I know. April, isn't that a unique idea? Ask the customer. What <laughs> so what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Enterprise Value Collective with today? Uh, it's really define your North Star. You know, what, what is it you're trying to get done, right? Is it closure rates are low, pipeline isn't big enough, you know, whatever it might be. But it's really, tough. what are you trying to get done? And, and then how do you communicate that with folks? Because a lot of times I find there's this disconnect between here's what the CEO is telling the markets and here's what sales enablement sales is doing. So, you know, all, and I'm not saying the kumbaya, you know, all that kind of stuff, but what is it we really are trying to get done? And then how, how are we gonna measure that? Right, is it gonna be some of the typical sales statistics? Is it, is it going to be, uh, hey, you know, I'm now calling out the director level, but I, I'm calling much higher up. I'm actually building relationships. Uh, one of my favorite examples is a company that went through this. And um, so this one, she ran one of their, their practices, one of their industries, and she called me up one day, I was all happy, and we had gotten to be friends. And I said, so Jill, what, what's going on? She goes, I had the CEO of a retail company call me and ask me about an acquisition. Not that he wanted to buy more stuff from her, he just respected her. So my point being is what's the North Star and there's all kinds of different measures and one of them has got to be, I'm calling it a higher level. They look at me as truly a partner, trusted advisor, whatever you want to call it. And so that, that's when you're going to really start winning to have those longer term relationships. Fantastic advice. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephen, sharing your insights and experience. And thank you to our listeners for joining in on the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, April, Tom, thank, oh, go ahead. Thank you, Tom. Stephen. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, talking yeah, about the Value Cap for... is always a pleasure with you, and <laughs> your advice is always well heeded. Well, thank you so much. And again, for all the Value Coffee <laughs> listeners out there, I uh, hope this was some time well spent. And any questions, please reach out. Excellent. We'll include the link uh, to access Stephen's book, Insight-Led Selling. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, please, there's the book. Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website. This will enable you to stay in touch with us on the latest events, podcasts, tools, insights. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. Right.
Hi, and welcome to the Value Coffee Talk podcast. I'm April Morley. And I'm Tom Pasello, the ROI guy. This podcast is a service of the Enterprise Value Collective, a community for business value-focused leaders and practitioners, and sponsored by our value consultancy, Genius Drive. Our mission with the Enterprise Value Collective and with Genius Drive is to help accelerate and optimize the value articulation in each of your customer engagements and throughout your customer life cycle. Uh, we are here with our coffee, dirty chai. I've got my Gators mug for you, April. And mm -hmm. uh, with our guest uh, from Finlistics, you saw the logo on the mug, uh, Dr. Stephen Timmy, welcome. Hi, Tom. Hi, April. And hello, all my uh, value coffee friends out there. Awesome. Stephen is the founder and CEO of uh, customer value intelligence firm Finlistics. At least that's how I like to refer to your firm. Like and it. also the uh, author of the book on value, Insight Led Selling. And we'll provide a link in the speaker notes to uh, for you to get a download of uh, the book and to order your own. So, Stephen, what I want to dive into today is a topic that is near and dear to both of our hearts. Uh, and that is this concept that there's a value gap between buyers and sellers. So whenever there's a gap, you got to look at kind of both perspectives. So I want to start with the buy perspective. Like, what does a buyer want from sellers and solution providers today? Yeah, April and Tom, I, I think uh, one of the executives I interviewed in the book, uh, Steve Clancy, who's the CIO at Georgia Pacific, and uh, you know, we asked him, what do you, what do you want? And I, I'm going to read this. Um, and he said, bring me something fresh from the outside, something I don't know. And that was a repeated theme. Tell me something I don't know. Show me that you've uh, only not only identified one of my problems, but you have a fresh solution that you've implemented somewhere else and will work for me. So it's really about tell me something I don't know, bring me something fresh. And so from the book, there was three things that you kind of netted out with these executive ones. And it was like one, tell me something I don't know. The second thing was show me the business and financial value of your solutions, feature functions. I didn't hear anyone say, I just wish they would show me more features and functions, not a single person. Uh, and then the third one was make my life easier. And, um, what they meant by that was they said, you know, these these solution providers, you know, enterprise sellers bring me these really cool things, but I, I got to socialize this, right? And I, I, I'm the one that's got to take their 30 slide presentation deck and narrow, you know, boil it down to one page. They said, you know, do, don't make me do your work, but those are really the three things. It's all about bring me value, bring me value and bring me some more value. Yeah. Stephen, so right. Gartner had a similar results from a survey mm -hmm. they gave, which is show me that you understand my business. And like you said, have some fresh insight about it from all the experience you've got from all your customers. They're expecting that insight. Make sure that you're communicating the value and the outcomes and showing that I can improve those. And then finally, the last one relates very much to what you said as well, which is confidence. Give me confidence that if I go and do this, that it's going to be successful because it's risky otherwise. Exactly. Exactly. Agree. Agree completely. So how well do you think sellers are meeting these buyers' needs? You know, April, I'm a very positive person. I used to teach at the university. So you can you know, be a professor of finance. You really had to be positive, right? But I'm just going to net it out. They're doing a terrible job. 
I mean, you, you can talk to executives. I think the one study said 80% of executives think that buyers don't understand their business. We do research. And so April, we did this one and we asked, you know, how well does your sales force know your customer? About 20% said, hey, we consider ourselves trusted advisors, we're partners, that's great. Around 50% said, well, look, even when we know their goals and strategies, we don't know how our solutions align. So how could you have a value discussion? You know, mm -hmm. I'm a retailer, I wanna grow the revenues by having a differentiated omni-channel experience. Okay, there's the goal and strategy. Uh, I don't know how I can help you. Uh, and then 30% said they still, uh, focus on features and functions. So I don't see how they sell anything. So April, just to net it out again, and I hate being negative, I hate for my friends out there, but a terrible, terrible job. And what we find, we've done different research. And even though most sales organizations talk about customer first, outside in, I mean, all the typical phrases, uh, we find that only about 25% really are, you know, you know, walking the walk, talking the talk. So. That's the bad news. To me though, the good news is, hey, you're not one of the 25%. What if you became that? What would be the revenue benefits to your organization? So the bad news is doing a terrible job. The good news is, and you can look at all kinds of stats about retention and growth and all those things. If you get it right, pretty good rewards. Steven, I know no one likes to get a report card like that bad but the research is there. And like you said, you it have research. If we look at Gartner research, research from Forrester, it all aligns to sellers are perceived as falling short and not only falling short, but that the gap seems to be widening, um, which is a big challenge because we've spent a lot. When you add up all of the amount that's gone into sales training over these past, let's say three years, and sales enablement and the platforms and everything else that goes with it, yet customers are reporting that they're less satisfied with sellers yes. and their purchases today than ever before. Why, why is that? Why is it growing? Well, I think it's a couple of things. And, and we all know the stats is that, you know, the buyers are what, 70% down the buying journey. The millennials feel very comfortable getting information and some don't even want to talk to sellers. So one, the the bar has been raised, right? And the second thing, in fact, uh, I did a, a, a webinar with Tom Castley and Janice Gordon a few months ago. It's called, Customers Have Shifted Gears, Are You Still in the Race? And of course, someone brought up, well, EV vehicles don't have gears. I'm like, oh, shut up. Anyway, so anyway. <laughs> anyway, uh, no, what's happened is the, the bar has been raised, rightfully so. Sales organizations, if you look at what they're doing now versus what they did five years ago, Tom, Tom and April, listen to QBRs. Mm -hmm. Most QBRs are the same. Okay, we're, how, how much are we going to close? I look at QBRs. I look at account plans. You're like, well, wait, where's, where's about the customer and their goals and their strategies and what they're trying to get done? And so it's the customers really have shifted gears, and a lot of these organizations have not changed and therefore that gap has gotten wider. I completely agree with that. I think you, you highlight two big points that the customer is part of the challenge in this expanding gap. Their expectations have elevated, but I also think that they, they call on sellers and they call on solution providers very tactically, and then they wonder why they get tactical engagements as a result. 
So they're asking for the demo. They're asking for the the tactical information, maybe because they couldn't rely on anything strategic or anything like that before. But I think that customer expectations are elevated, but they're also asking for the almost the old type of engagement with sellers. And then you mentioned a big point, which is executives and the role that they play in this. If we're managing the business to that quarter and to closing of deals, as opposed to how much value can we deliver to our customers and more of a long game with those customers, as opposed to the short term, we're only as good as the last yeah. quarter. I think we've got a challenge in overcoming this and closing the gap. Well, you know, and that's what Tom uh, Castley, one thing I love what he, you know, instead of saying sales leaders, he said, they got to be coaching leaders. Mm -hmm. And April and Tom, you all know what's happening is, uh, okay, I'm a sales leader. I used to have like three, maybe four people reporting into me. I now have 10. I don't have time for coaching. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying it's an easy answer, but there's a lot of reasons. But I know I'm very fortunate to get to talk to a lot of executive buyers. And they're just like, yeah, I may ask them for some technical information but other than that but what's what's i've seen though tom is a, a in, in april is a trend where these organizations are now specifying these high growth teams that are being very very proactive going to customers not because of an rfp not the usual this but i mean they're going to be very very proactive in terms of hey we saw this we think we can do this we think it's worth this you know, let's let's talk about the strategy and doing that. And they're calling at very high levels. This is not like a director level, VP level. They're like, if we can't talk to the very top or close to it. Then you know, let's go somewhere else. So that I mean, that's something I've seen the, just the last couple of years. Yeah, I think a lot of organizations are putting together a task force to be really strategic with uh, their largest customers. Though it's so important to really scale it across the entire sales organization. And, you know, as you mentioned, it's a lot about coaching. It's a lot about training and enablement. And we've seen a lot of uh, investment into sales training and enablement. So you'd think the value gap would be getting smaller, but the opposite is it's growing. So why do you think that is? Well, we, we talked about the, you know, the, the customer, the bar's been raised, people are doing things the same, same old, same old way. And even with sales enablement, and I have a lot of friends in sales enablement, but it's a lot of it is, um, it's kind of the same old, same old, right? Mm -hmm. Hey, let's, let's do a two day webinar. Let's do this. Let's do that. Which used to be a great source of revenue for Finlistics. And <laughs> so I'm not, yeah, I don't want to shoot myself in the foot. But you know the the more enlightened companies are going more towards the action based learning, mm -hmm. because if you sit through you know one day webinar, I forget the stat like you know a month later, a week later, you only remember like twenty percent, and that's probably the jokes the facilitator told. So anyway, uh, no, so I, I just think the way it's being it needs to be repackaged about you know, okay, April, what what are you what are you doing today? Well, I need to. Uh, you know, I've got to go call on a senior marketing person. Okay, well, here's how you go do that, right? Or, you know, I, I need to find uh, some prospects in this space, and these are the ways that we can help them. Okay, well, here's how you do that. So more and more of the organizations I'm seeing are breaking into the smaller pieces, very, very action-based, doing more sharing. You know, we always talk about the role of the sales leader, the role of sales enablement. Well, guess what? You know, field sellers have got a, a role, too, to play. Like, hey, what, what's working, what's not working? So I'm seeing that gap closing some, but 
the, the, the same old way just doesn't work anymore. In fact, uh, at uh, next month, uh, Siobhan Thatcher at Salesforce, myself, we're going to be talking about how do you create this customer first culture, and a lot of it's going involves not doing it the old ways. That doesn't work anymore. I think expectations need to change so that we're not so quarterly driven, so we have that more strategic approach because value does require a little bit of patience. I think the way that we educate our sellers needs to change for the modern seller and the modern learning patterns. I do think that there's fuel that needs to be provided. And when a seller's going out to speak to a buyer, they need to be armed with the story that's going to resonate with that persona. They need to be armed with the financials so that they can right. have an educated discussion with them. And if we're just arming them with standard data sheets and standard presentations and product demos, it doesn't cut it. Talk about the importance of fuel in evolving these conversations and closing the gap. Yeah, yeah, and and so a couple of things. One, it has to be part of the culture, right? But that's that's beyond the scope of the <laughs> of this uh, coffee session, value coffee. <laughs> uh, so a couple of things. One, people ask me all the time, where do, where do we get started? I mean, oh my God! I mean, I said, look, look, here's the deal. Go and find out what are the most common goals within an industry. Pick your top two industries. What are the most common goals? Okay, we are trying to expand profit margins uh, by optimizing processes. Oh, okay, good. Now let's break that down to smaller pieces. Well, who all could you talk to? Well, you could talk to production, distribution, logistics, you know, all, all kinds of different people. And then come up with a house story, Tom. You and I are finance folks, right? You're the ROI guy, I'm Dr. Finance. And people always expect us to immediately say, well, go to the ROI. No, no. So I always tell folks, pick a couple of industries, uh, pick a couple of the more common goals, and then come up with the how story of how can I help you expand margins if you are in production, right? To get the how story down. Well, how, how can we help them reduce labor costs? How can we help them reduce overhead? Where have we done this in other uh, organizations? So, you know, I think a lot of times people want to jump ahead to the, the value piece. And, and I think you and I have talked about this. You don't have the right to start talking to me about ROI until you've convinced me that you're aligned with what I'm trying to get done. And then secondly, you've got a good, a good story. So I always tell people to start there and then later get into the value part, right? So, so I always uh, like- The business case. Yeah, part. exactly. And there's a lot more to it. value, Stephen, unfortunately, they, they think, oh, business case. And- that's not really what we're talking no. about. Values everything in the mm -hmm. in the customer engagement, and a lot of it is, as you said, earning the right where they know you understand their business, you understand their industry before you get into the business case and the numbers crunching. Yeah, and I mean, because there's there's the emotional value, right? There, I got the emotional value, and I've got the financial value, and the emotional value may be, you know, I, I'm in production, I'm tired of these, you know, unplanned machine downtimes. I'm getting calls at two o'clock in the morning. My CFO is beating, you know, what out of me. So part of the emotional value would be, wow, this is great. Things are operating smoothly. I can maybe get a good night's sleep. I can maybe spend a little bit more time with my family. And then we get into the ROI piece. So a, a, a big part of this is, is really coming up with the how, how do we help 
but not some generic, hey, we can help you reduce cost. Oh, okay, well, that's really exciting. The, the other piece, which Tom and April, I find get often left out is the voice of the customer. I was in a session where we were doing this, you know, uh, value mapping, solution mapping, whatever you want to call it. And they were all talking about how our solution adds value to the customer. And uh, I said, hey, look, just a crazy thought here. Has anyone talked to the customers about how the value they see from what <laughs> you guys are selling? And so they said, oh, yeah, that's a good idea. Um, and they went and they said, look, you, you guys just make things smoother. You just, I mean, yeah, there's, there's the financial return, but the greatest value that I place on your solution, it, it works all the time. It makes my life easier. Uh, we, don't, we don't have idle labor. And so it really, it was great because then they start talking more about those benefits as well as the financial benefits. It's the emotion, the logic, and the trust that you do have to get across. Yeah. Definitely. It's a terrific point in asking the customer what the value is they're receiving. I know, April, isn't that a unique idea <laughs> to ask the customer? What <laughs> so what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our Enterprise Value Collective with today? Uh, it's really define your North Star. You know, what, what is it you're trying to get done, right? It, is it closure rates are low, pipeline isn't big enough, you know, long, whatever it might be. But it's really, what are you trying to get done? And, and then how do you communicate that with folks? Because a lot of times I find there's this disconnect between here's what the CEO is telling the markets and here's what sales enablement sales is doing. So, you know, all, and I'm not saying the kumbaya, you know, all that kind of stuff, but what is it we really are trying to get done? And then how, how are we going to measure that? Right? It, it, is it going to be some of the typical sales statistics? Is it, is it going to be, uh, hey, you know, I'm now calling not the director level, but I, I'm calling much higher up. I'm actually building relationships. Uh, one of my favorite examples is a company that went through this. And um, so this one, she ran one of their, their practices, one of their industries, and she called me up one day. I was all happy and we had gotten to be friends. And I said, so Jill, what's, what's going on? She goes, I had the CEO of a retail company call me and ask me about an acquisition. Not that he wanted to buy more stuff from her, he just respected her. So my point being is what's the North Star and there's all kinds of different measures and one of them has got to be, I'm calling it a higher level. They look at me as truly a partner, trusted advisor, whatever you want to call it. And so that, that's when you're going to really start winning to have those longer term relationships. Fantastic advice. Thanks so much for joining us, Stephen, sharing your insights and experience. And thank you to our listeners for joining in on the Value Coffee Talk podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, April, Tom. Oh, go ahead. Thank you, um, Stephen. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Uh, talking yeah, about the value for... is always a pleasure with you, and <laughs> your advice is always well heeded. Well, thank you so much. And again, for all the Value Coffee <laughs> listeners out there, I uh, hope this was some time well spent. And any questions, please reach out. Excellent. We'll include the link uh, to access Stephen's book insight-led selling. So keep an eye out for that. Uh, please, there's the book. Please sign up for the Enterprise Value Collective on LinkedIn or on our GeniusDrive.com website. This will enable you to stay in touch with us on the latest events, podcasts, tools, insights. And until next time, our Enterprise Value Collective, keep sharing and growing together. Thank you.